Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Us. This is the podcast about openness to new experiences. I'm Professor T and with me as always is my co-host Dr. Toomey. How are you doing this evening Toomey? I am very good this evening Professor T. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm actually in a very good mood this evening and I'm ready to launch straight into this episode. Uh, although we don't have to go straight into the topic at hand but I'm ready to get going straight off the bat straight out of the yard right off the <laughs> some other thing so you want to get started you want to launch into the episode but not the topic well I think uh, we have one or two things to discuss that are not topic related off topic if you will off topic interesting basically like the entire last episode yes that one that that one last week's one last week wink wink last week <laughs> yes when we recorded it last week um a, a week ago a week seven days um seven nights no six nights uh seven nights <laughs> don't know don't know Fergal. Well, that's eight, been. eight days really isn't it yeah oh, no, I don't, hold on it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah it doesn't matter um one thing I know you have a few things you want to go into off topic, but do you mind if I if I skip the queue and I launch in ahead of your launch? No, I didn't have queue. There was no queue in place. Oh, um, well, I'm going to launch into the car troubles um, because I had mentioned it two episodes ago, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've got a bee in my proverbial bonnet yes. about the car troubles, and ironically, that's where the problem laid. Oh, <laughs> <the> problem lay. <laughs> oh no. Um, so the car troubles, basically, I'm just going to cut to the conclusion. So the way the car is going to keep running, this is a Volkswagen Golf uh, 2001, is you have to turn it off and on seven or eight times. So you have to put the key into the ignition and put it off and on, off and on, off and on seven or eight times. That's the magic solution. Oh, my Christ. That's farcical. It's farcical, yeah. And uh, the guy uh, explained it to me about 17 times because I I was just like, what? But he seems very confident in this um, reasoning for it. I'm going <laughs> to share that with you now. Well, is this a mechanic who explained a mechanic. this? mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The mechanic's solution was to turn on and off the car seven or eight times. Yes. <laughs> Each time he started. Oh, my God. <laughs> and his reason is is the following. In each in each car, there is something called an electri- electronic control unit, and I have my Wikipedia open here because uh, I don't have a clue really what it is. But Wikipedia says it's any embedded system in an automotive electronics that controls one or two of the electrical systems or subsips- subsystems in a vehicle. So the mechanic explained it explained it as the brain of the computer. And he's saying there's a problem with the ECU, the electronic control unit. And he said as well that in each key that you put into a car, there's a thing called an immobilizer. Now, (laughs) sorry if this is very boring. I believe I've heard of an immobilizer before. Uh, Me who knows nothing about cars, by the way. Really? Yeah, it sounds familiar. Well, an immobilizer, according to Wikipedia, is an electronic security device fitted to an automobile that prevents the engine from running unless the correct transponder car key or other token is present. So basically with a normal car, when you put the key into the ignition, there's a transponder or some sort of token or something within the key and that communicates to the electronic control unit and 
The purpose of this is this prevents the car from being hot wired after entry has been achieved and reduces theft of vehicles because it tells the car that it should only start with this key. If that, So he was saying that the communication between the key, the immobilizer, the transponder, something shite. <laughs> <laughs> you were going so well. <laughs> There's three things. There's transponder, immobilizer, and electronic unit. I, my brain can't fit the three of them in. Um, but basically the key has to communicate with the electronic uh, control unit and because it's faulty there's something wrong with the ECU so in order to overcome that you have to do it seven or eight times and that communicates to the ECU that this is the key and it, the car can't start but why seven or eight I, I should have asked that I don't know why I thought you were going to give me the reason behind the seven or eight that's the most intriguing part <laughs> I think that's the code or so, there's something to do with the the communication to from the ECU from the transponder to the ECU. So is each turn of your key in the ignition only transponding one-seventh or one-eighth of a signal to the electronic control unit? And you need to you need to do it seven times to get the whole picture? I think that's that's a good analogy for it. But I, I, don't think, I don't know if it's quite that, but I think it's, it's normally an automated process. And I think by doing it seven or eight times, you're replacing that automation. So, uh, yeah, anyway, there we go. Got it out of my system. The car troubles have been resolved via a ridiculous uh, solution. Excellent. But I seem to remember when I wouldn't allow you to talk about these car troubles that you mentioned that there was car troubles with two different cars. (laughs) (laughs) So you might as well go into the other one now because we promised the audience we'd allow you to talk about it. Okay. Well, I've got my soapbox now. So this other car so this this first car was actually my girlfriend Liz's car which I drive occasionally I'm a name driver on the car mm-hmm. and uh, the the car this car is a Toyota Corolla uh, from 2000 uh, 2000 actually and uh, it's my parents car which I'm also a name driver on <clears throat> I know it well yeah um, and the problem with this car um, is the boot um, so Years ago, I was sitting on uh, the Rock Road in Black Rock in a car. I was, my car was stationary. I was just like there was heavy traffic and somebody basically rear-ended me. Is that the right? Yeah, yeah. The right? sorry. Yeah. Word, yeah. So, so basically, he messed up the boot. So there was a temporary fix for the boot. Like it was put out of shape. The locks were, was was kind of just dis- distorted or disconfigured or whatever. Um, but they were able to like fix it. But years later... A few weeks ago, I just put down the boot and it just wouldn't open. Um, sorry, this is actually isn't that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm explaining it now. It's, 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 it's like, a, like a real grand ending to it. Basically, the boot is fucked on the car. The boot won't open. Uh, they had to get a locksmith in and everything. But there was all, there was all like... Liz's stuff was stuck in the boot because I was driving her back to her house after we were away, maybe, or something. No, she was staying over in my house, and I was. Was one of the things stuff. stuck in the boot uh, a book about how to fix car boots? <laughs> that would have been ironic. <laughs> uh, but basically, the guy came over from uh, um, AXA Insurance, and because he couldn't get the boot open, he had to take apart the back of the car to get all the stuff out of the out of the boot. So it was it was a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a quandary. 
<laughs> oh, I don't even think Scottish can save this. <laughs> but subsequently, it's been fixed um, with my parents footing the bill. All right. I, I shouldn't have made you uh, share that story there, but, you know, you, you can't go back. Um, all right. In the spirit of something new or being open to new experiences... Uh, at this this past weekend, I tried an espresso martini. <laughs> oh yes. So you had recommended this to me uh, recently. Uh, I remember I was talking to you about sometimes being out and drinking a lot of beer and feeling quite bloated, and wanting to have a kind of a spirit drink that I could drink instead of drinking pints. But I found that I drank spirits too quickly, and um, you recommended trying an espresso martini. Did you not? I did indeed, and I was recommended this in turn by my girlfriend Liz, who is a huge fan of espresso martinis. Right now, I'm just going to note there that you call it an espresso martini. Oh no, it's actually espresso. Did I say espresso? Yes, well this is part of my story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go on. So, I I was out with Grace on uh, Saturday. We were around Glasnevin, and we went into a pub there in that general area. It was a kind of a local pub and uh, we, we went in, we had a pint and we were kind of planning to go somewhere else later on. So that was just a kind of a let's stop here for one drink type of thing. And Grace was like, oh, I'd love a cocktail. And I was, you know, I naturally have to go up and order the drinks when it's the two of us in the pub. Um, some kind of gender thing, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I... <laughs> I uh, I did was I didn't really want to order a cocktail in this pub, and I think you'll understand what I mean when you say it wasn't the type of pub you order a cocktail in. Okay, yeah, right. So it was our lads coming in for their pints, young lads watching football, girlfriends being dragged along to watch football, um, and that type of thing. And uh, it just and Grace was like, "Oh, they have a cocktail menu." I was like, "It doesn't matter if they have a cocktail menu. That doesn't mean they have any inclination to make you a cocktail." Um, they can have all the cocktail menus in the world. They still won't want to actually do a cocktail for you. So yeah. uh, we went kind of back and forth on it a bit. And we basically had nothing left in our drinks. And I was like, fine, I'll go up and order a cocktail. And I, I went up to the menu. Um, I'm sorry, I went up to the bar and asked for the cocktail menu. And uh, one of the girls gave me the cocktail menu and then walked off. I had been trying to catch the eye of a lounge girl for the past 10, 15 minutes, so I wouldn't actually have to go up to a barman and order uh, some cocktails from him. Um, but the shame involved in that. Yeah, but the lounge staff just weren't coming around to our area, so I had to go up, tail between legs, and go up to the bar. And then the girl I asked for the menu, I thought she might do it for me, but she didn't. She walked off. So I, I don't know what it is, but like I would have been more comfortable asking a lounge girl to make me a cocktail than I would have been asking a barman to make me a cocktail. I don't know what that says about me, but maybe it says a lot. Maybe for another episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I uh, I perused the cocktail menu. I saw there was a Cosmopolitan, which I ordered for Grace. And then I saw there was an Espresso Martini. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-O uh, Martini. Uh, so I decided... I ordered that, but I pronounced it correctly, of course. So I said, can I have an Espresso Martini? And uh, no, I didn't even say that first. I said... Uh, Sheepishly, I, I looked out for the barman and I went, uh, can I order some cocktails, please? And he went, cocktails! <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I was expecting. So, uh, you know, I deserved it. And I went, yeah. Uh, co- uh, um. And he's like, look, I don't know if I have any ingredients for all of them, but uh, go ahead. So I went, uh, can I have a, um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, a Cosmopolitan <laughs> and an espresso martini, please? <laughs> 
And he went, Arlo, I think I have those. Uh, and he walked off and he started to make the uh, cocktails for me. And um, there were other people who wanted drinks at the bar. And it was kind of getting busy. It was a Saturday afternoon. There was sport on. Uh, and there was clearly regulars um, looking for pints. And they couldn't catch the eye of the barman because he was busy making me two cocktails in the middle of the day. And uh, I was standing there at the bar getting more and more self-conscious. I actually started sweating. Uh, I was so self-conscious about the whole thing. Um, and then one of the men who was sitting at the bar was clearly a regular. And he, he caught the eye of the barman. He goes, uh, Tony, I'll have a pint of Heineken. He goes, yeah, yeah, be with you now in a minute. And your man took his order for a pint of Heineken, but he didn't serve him the Heineken because he was busy shaking cocktail shakers and blending things for me. And then he came out and <laughs> to my mortification, he was like, do you want ice in your cosmopolitan? <laughs> I had your man fucking the regular looking for his pint of Heineken for the last five minutes. He just stared a hole through my soul. While I was ordering a cosmopolitan in his local at two PM on a Saturday. Uh-huh. And, uh, what is the world like, coming to? I know. And I said, No thanks, no ice. And he goes, Ah, some people like the ice. I was like, Stop prolonging this. I don't want any fucking ice. Um, so he disappeared off and came back with a with a sex in the city style cosmopolitan glass, drained my cosmopolitan into the glass for me, and then uh then he started making the espresso martini, and I wanted. <laughs> I wanted it was only halfway sw- through. Oh yeah, I wanted the ground to swallow me up, and uh, luckily it, it didn't take as long to make that. And he brought out the espresso martini in a similar glass. He filled them both up to the brim, and there was so much extra um, cocktail left in the shaker that he gave me a glass with ice with the rest of the espresso martini in it. So I was faced with the prospect of carrying back two full cocktail glasses. Um, that were filled up to the brim, one with a cosmopolitan, one with an espresso martini, back to my table, which was a long distance away. And I don't know if you're familiar with these types of glasses, but they're very thin. And I find the thinner the glass, the more susceptible it is to spillage. So uh, a thick pint glass and a heavy drink inside it, like a thick pint glass and a, and a, and a Guinness inside it, is much easier to carry back to your table than uh, a thin glass with a, a weaker or lighter drink inside it. So I was carrying back... Well, I was faced with the prospect of carrying back one big girly pink drink and uh, another fancy-looking coffee drink uh, in two fancy-looking cocktail glasses. And then I had this extra glass of um, espresso martini with ice, the, the overflow of the cocktail shaker. And I didn't want to insult the barman by not taking this extra bit of drink that he gave oh, me. Oh, I see so, where this is going. <laughs> well, no, no, no. So I pocketed the um, the 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 tall glass with the extra overflow of the espresso martini. I put it inside my denim jacket pocket. Oh, a good save. <laughs> yeah, because they're quite big, those pockets, and they're really handy for all sorts of stuff. <laughs> must have looked and pretty I, strange I back for, your, for your friend at the bar. <laughs> oh, yeah, it looked, it looked bizarre. And your man at the bar was just staring me out of it. And I, I carried these two drinks back to the table, spilling about um, a quarter out of each drink, uh, and set them down. And to be perfectly honest, by that time, I was in no mood for an espresso <laughs> martini. Um, so after that large um, kind of um, what would you call it where you go off in a direction kind of um, meandering um, no you know the phrase I'm talking about you disappear off in a direction tangent tangent that's the one after that tangents about cocktails and various other things we are back to discuss the topic that we set out for ourselves uh, a couple of episodes ago 
And it was to instigate a conversation with three different people who you normally wouldn't have a conversation with. And they had to be somewhat interesting. It couldn't just be an exchange of banalities. Um, And we were to report back on these conversations and let the listener and each other uh, know how we got on. So just to clarify and bring everybody uh, up to speed, we haven't discussed anything about this amongst ourselves. This is the first time we will tell each other any of these stories as well. Yeah, I, I suppose I'll go first, would I? Go ahead. Grant. Um, so after, so so this, so my ones were done during my travels um, uh, to Japan. Um, and the first one, was just to get myself off the mark. So I had a I had a couple of kind of low hanging fruit opportunities to get myself off the mark. First of all, the taxi on the way to the airport, I could have struck up a conversation oh, with the taxi driver. Good one. It was there in my head, and I was waiting to pounce, but the taxi driver started the conversation. Then I didn't really add to the conversation. I let Liz handle it, <laughs> which okay. is sometimes what I do, because uh, I was kind of kicking myself for not starting the conversation, and then I kind of zoned out from what he was saying. Fair enough. Um, but uh, so I left it about a week into my holiday and I was at me and Liz were at a samurai museum and you go in and you learn about like the samurai and you dress up in samurai clothes and you like play around with swords and stuff Um, so that was nice and then after it there was the instructor there was actually from England you could tell from his accent and stuff Um, so basically to initiate the conversation with him afterwards I basically just stood beside him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> awkwardly as everyone was going out I was just like hovering beside him because <laughs> I didn't know how to to otherwise I didn't want to be like so how long have you been in Japan <laughs> you could have just used your real voice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, that's the voice I ordered the cocktails in as well funny <laughs> enough. Yeah, it doesn't get you very far in life no um but so what I did was I hovered around and I made it obvious that I wanted to talk to him. So I, that's what I'm counting as initiating the conversation. He actually said the first words. He said, so are you over here on holidays? And that's we kind of went from there. And I said, yes. And then uh, I told him about that. And then I found out that he had come over to Japan uh, six months previously. He's teaching English over in Japan and uh that he was doing this samurai explanation as part of that. And I was asking him then about what's it like to move to Japan? Can you get accommodation easily? And he said basically that um, when you go over to teach in Japan, they set you up with uh, accommodation and that was all quite smooth for him. Just found that out about him and I was just delighted and relieved to get off the mark. And I also actually felt better about myself for doing it. Like, even though I didn't find out that much, like, really life-changing information i was just glad that i had done it no that's a that's a good start and uh that's exactly what this was designed for and i, I assume they're going to increase in um quality as we go on <laughs> well i hope so i'll let you be the, the judge of that <laughs> well i've well i've ordered mine in um kind of ascending order if you want uh so i had a bit of low-hanging fruit as well so we were over in sweden and um, we were in a fast food restaurant and uh, we were up at the till and it was me and Daly and Sarah and Grace, right? And you know Daly would talk to the wall or talk to hind legs of a donkey. Um, so he's always good to have around um, for that. But obviously this was this was my task and uh, it was me who was supposed to instigate these things. So I went up to the till after um, Grace and Sarah had been at the till 
and I ordered I ordered the food. Uh, I was ordering burgers, and your man asked me, "Was I from Liverpool?" And uh, I said, "No." And then I went, "This is your opportunity." <laughs> <laughs> and I went, "No, I'm not from Liverpool, but it's interesting that you should ask me that because two of my friends here are from Liverpool." And I was like, "What made you ask if I was from Liverpool?" And he went, "Oh, the two people before you, one of them said they lived in Liverpool." I was like, "Ah." And uh, so I was like, oh, "Okay, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going." <laughs> so I was like, uh, "I thought I was flirting with him nearly at this point." <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, borderline. All crazy. right, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no. We're just over here for a music festival. He's like, "Ah, you're over for the festival, are you?" I was like, "Yeah," and he knew well, but like, well, what it was because everyone in the town nearly was there for that. And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." It's your first time in Sweden. I was like, "No, actually, I've been here about uh, five or six times now." He's like, "All oh, right." He's like, um, "I was like, where are you from?" He goes, "I'm from Wales." And he didn't sound like he was from Wales at all. He had one of those accents that sounded like it was um, non non denominational. I want to say, but it was. It didn't sound like it was nearly from any country. It sounded like a composite of like Europe or something. And I, I was like, "You don't sound like you're from Wales at all." And he goes, "Well, my dad's from Manchester." But uh, I was like, "All right." And then he was like, um, "He moved over to Sweden six years ago." And then Daly kind of swooped in and started talking to him a bit more. <laughs> he couldn't resist it. <laughs> no, no. He couldn't let you have that. No, no, no. I, in fairness, I was floundering. And, uh, and <laughs> oh, he, he, saved you. he swooped in. And I'm, I'm not counting this one as one, by the way. But I, I did find out from him that he's from Wales. He lives in Sweden. He's lived in Sweden for six years. And his dad's from Manchester. But it wasn't... Uh, Daly kind of started talking to him then. And it was more like them two were having a conversation. And I was there as a witness or something like that. So uh, Daly... Uh, Daly ended up finding out from him that he, while he liked Sweden, uh, he wasn't too happy uh, about the fact that the town was so quiet, it wasn't very busy, and he ended up moving over there because his girlfriend is Swedish, and uh, that was that was the long and the short of it, really, and there was a bit more than that, but um, I didn't count that one, so I'm not counting that one. Another thing happened as well, another low-hanging fruit one happened, where um, we were over at one of the merchandise stands after watching a band, the band were called Riot V, and uh, we just finished watching them, and we went over to... Um, we went over to one of the merchandise stands and I was looking at patches for, uh, for my jacket and uh, there was a guy who had been standing at the side of the stage while the band were on, as in the very side, so he must have been a guest of the band or something, and he was looking through the patches as well and I whispered to Daly, I was like, that lad was at the side of the stage. And he goes, was he? I was like, yeah, he must be like a roadie or something. So I was like, maybe I could talk to the roadie. And uh, like, if I had I had two or three more pints on me, I would have. But I just, I didn't. I couldn't pluck up the courage. So Daly went to him again. He was like, uh, did you enjoy the gig? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was okay. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And then I was like, speak to him, speak to him, speak to him. And I just couldn't say anything. I just couldn't get the words out of my mouth. So Daly was like, uh, are you with the band? He goes, yeah, I'm their manager. And he's like, all oh, right. And I was like, I'm talking to the fucking manager of this band here. But I wasn't talking to him. I wasn't saying anything to him. And uh, Daly was like, uh, oh, are you on tour? And he was being really abrupt. He's like, yeah, we have a few more shows coming up. And he was like, all oh, right. And any, uh, what country is he going to? He's like, uh, Germany. Uh, and then I was like, oh, this lad's a fucking asshole anyway. So he, he was just really abrupt. <laughs> and he had, no in- he had no interest in talking to anybody. So it was, it was sort of like two false alarms. Um Wow, and I'd say it, it was increasing your uh, trepidation about it, was it? I know, yeah. Finally, uh, we were, after watching a band, 
uh, we were standing there in the crowd and I saw this woman who had a Sweden Rock Festival hoodie on her. So that's a festival that takes place in Sweden every year. It's uh, much larger than the festival we were at. So you get lots of huge bands at it. And uh, I was all the bands were listed on the back of her hoodie. So initially I was just looking at her hoodie to see what bands had been playing at it. And there was a lot of deadly bands at it that I would really like. And um, I was actually... At, <laughs> it, it almost looked like I was perving on her hoodie. <laughs> so I was just looking at the hoodie, <laughs> reading all the bands, and then what seemed to be her husband turned around, and uh, rather than look like a weirdo, I was like, "Oh, you were at Sweden Rock." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we were at Sweden Rock. Yeah, we were out there uh, two months ago." I was like, well, "What was it like?" And he was like, "Oh, it was brilliant. We saw Kiss, we saw Rainbow, we saw Def Leppard, and then he went through all the bands." And then uh, I was like, "And what do you think of this festival?" He's like, "Oh, it's fucking unbelievable, man. Uh, uh, like, I think I nearly prefer this festival than Sweden Rock because it's such a large festival." And then we went on and we had basically a fairly detailed conversation about many of the different bands that were performing. And there's one of the guys in particular, um, Udo. Udo Dirk Schneider who was about to perform later on that night but he's like he's really old like he's been around for years and he's like your man is like I just call him the Energizer Bunny man he just keeps going and going and going and then we just ended up talking for ages about all the different bands that were playing and all the different bands they'd seen and stuff they were gonna go and see so I'm really counting that one as my first conversation yeah that's 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 a good one because you you hovered you perved a little bit perved on the hoodie and you just do what you can to get it going. Yeah. And the uh, funny thing was is that his wife was like really shy. She was like a mute. Uh, so she just stood there and smiled the whole time while the husband and me kind of led the conversation. And she, she didn't utter one word, even though she, she said one or two things. So she could speak English, like, uh, but she really didn't say anything. So I kind of felt a bit sorry for her at the time as well, because she was clearly in a relationship where he was the far more outgoing person. And she must have found herself in this situation a lot where he was leading all of the conversations. Uh, she was just standing there with the hoodie being perved on Um. (laughs) that sounds like a a worthwhile conversation sounds like an enjoyable one yeah it was good it was good crack and then we made plans to see each other again later on that day down in a different band but of course we never saw each other again but uh, yeah it was good Uh, so two false alarms followed by one um, uh, real alarm or something (laughs) how did you feel after getting that one uh, out of the way I felt good actually I felt like I was engaging with people and uh yeah, after especially after the tour manager lad, um, I was I was much happier. Even though I didn't speak to the, the manager guy at all, but like I was like, oh, this is what it's going to be like. People are just going to be abrupt or whatever. Yeah, but you persevered. And number three, third time lucky, as they say. They do say, and in some they cases do. they're right. Yeah, but most of the time not. Um, <laughs> bit of banter there to segue on to my next one. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was so I was delighted after my samurai experience. Um, this was in Kyoto. And uh, so I booked me and Liz into this restaurant. Uh, it was, uh, what's it? Is it Tapanyaki? I think that's what it's called, where they cook the food in front of you. Oh, I saw um, pictures. Yeah, I've been to a similar type of restaurant. Yeah, yeah but this was a small one. So it was like a like traditional Japanese restaurant, small, small family owned restaurant with like about eight people around. But there's... And they cook the food and make everything and the, the owners chat to you in in front of you and all that stuff. But it's it's such a small amount of people in a small um, room that it lends itself to you basically talking to the people beside you. Um, so I don't know exactly how we got into talking about it, but this was a great opportunity for me and Liz to, to meet some friends or from other people, <laughs> not friends. Um and uh, we got talking to this uh, Australian couple 
Um, are you still there, by the way? I can't hear you. I'm listening, yeah, I'm listening. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, sorry. I don't want to interrupt. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, if you'd like, I can interject with, mm-hmm, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every so often, maybe, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I was like, uh, when, it's, when the conversation started, I was like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake, we're stuck now talking to them for the entire dinner. <laughs> That th- I, that's what does run through your mind though <laughs> yeah and I was thinking oh, I'm gonna, I can't concentrate on my food and then two Italians guys uh, arrived into the left of me and then I had to talk to them as well but so I was I was kind of off the mark again but like it was almost too much of it but anyway uh, they, this Australian couple were sitting to the right of me and Liz and uh, they're called uh, Nick and Kirsty and they're both from Melbourne Australia and they had recently got married and they were just so nice and they were kind of like a bit nerdy to use that in a I don't want me to say that in a condescending way in what I mean is like they knew so much about Japan okay so they were just telling us basically where to go the exact streets to go for like anime or manga or good food like so they were incredibly helpful and Liz uh, was asking them inevitably inevitably about kangaroos oh no uh, yeah, it went down that route. Um, but there was like interesting facts about kangaroos that when you're driving your car, uh, kangaroos will jump out in front of the cars and apparently they're attracted to the lights and stuff and they'll, they'll jump on cars a lot. Um, but it was a really kind of good conversation we had and it was actually turned out to be one of the most memorable parts of the trip because like everyone in the restaurant, the Italians, the Australians, the people behind the counter was chatting away just like generic stuff like where have you been and all that but it was just like as Liz said it was kind of like when you meet people on holiday sometimes you you don't come in with any background you're all just kind of equal in the country that you're you're visiting like there's there's no like this is what I work as or it's just more like how are like what did you see and are are you enjoying it and stuff like that so that was great but there's a there's a bit of a twist in it interesting (laughs) so they recommended so basically we were saying we're going to Tokyo tomorrow and can you recommend anywhere to go there and they basically recommended loads of places and they said well we're actually going to Tokyo in about three or four days and I thought well this is great but I don't really want to see them in Tokyo again oh dear <laughs> but but thankfully it didn't go down that route but what they recommended was because I had mentioned that I was into like um, manga figures like you know the, the kind of First of all, the comic books and also like the figurines things. Like, are you into that? Game. Um, very, very slightly. But I, just because I was in Japan, I want. I mentioned that I wanted to go and like see stuff like that. So I ended up buying like manga books and like figures from Final Fantasy Seven. All right. <laughs> Specifically, <laughs> I sought out figures from Final Fantasy Seven, um, which is an RPG game from. I the, am I think, aware of what Final Fantasy Seven is. Yes, with the listeners like no. Oh, thing. okay. Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um so they said go to this place and go to the second floor of this place and you'll you'll find it. So I thought, great, that they're so nice, they're wonderful, amazing people. And then like a few days later, me and Liz are in Japan and we said, Right, we'll go to this place that Kirsty and Nick recommended us to go. And we went up there and we were in at the back of the shop and I was looking for my Final Fantasy Seven figure. And then me and Liz turned around, we heard a voice. Oh, look over here. And I said, I immediately said to Liz, fuck, is that Kirsty? <laughs> <laughs> so, so from going on, like, our, our initial reaction was complete terror and anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> the 
for some reason, after having such a nice night with them yeah. in uh, at, in the place in Kyoto, we just didn't want to see them at all. So we ended up hiding at the back of the shop. In and w- so Kirsty was going down one aisle. Oh, she was she there. Of, she was in the physical shop at the same time oh. as us, and. Uh, she just had her back to us, so it was unclear whether she she saw us, and she was. We thought she was on her own, so we then raced over to the other aisle. There was only two aisles in the shop, and who comes down the other aisle? <laughs> oh, fucking <no>. Nick, <laughs> fucking Nick, coming into the shop down down the other aisle. And we're like, oh, for fuck's sake, we've avoided Kirsty, and then we're going around to Nick. So we did. But the only option that we saw fit to ourselves at that stage was to hide at the back of the store with our backs to both of them. Oh, my God. Prete- pretending that we're looking at figures <laughs> that we weren't actually looking at and hoping somehow that they would not see us. Here, if you think they didn't see it, then I have some land in Chernobyl I'd be interested in selling you. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So I'm, yeah, it was 100% certain that they saw us. Um, but like yeah our, our initial reaction was just like avoid at all costs like at that moment it would have been the worst thing that could happen <laughs> in the world worse than an earthquake or a hurricane <laughs> was uh, Liz complicit in this yes both of, both of us were it was just like hide 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 quick shit it was like <laughs> fuck <laughs> for no reason you're right though I, I can fully understand exactly where you're coming from there yeah, but like on reflection, it, it, the reason for our ter- terror was really because like we had that chat with them on that night with them, but we didn't want to really open that up again. No. Uh, and um, I always console myself in those situations where you avoid someone is that the other person didn't say hello to you either. Yeah. That's how I console myself. So she could have said hello easily. <laughs> you were probably showing all the signs of avoidance. Though, so <laughs> yeah, it's probably. hard to say hello to somebody who's blanking you and turning their back. <laughs> And and really like flustered and <laughs> panicking and running, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that was uh, my second one. So it had a a, a twist. Uh, well, that was really good. I, I hope the next one gets even better because that really set the bar quite high. Um, actually, mine kind of dissipates a bit. <laughs> okay. My last one isn't isn't really uh, that noteworthy. Okay. I um, I could just get it out of the way now and then let you have the floor if you like. Go on, yeah. Go on. Yeah, this, the next one was just, uh, I was at a, a conference after Japan. Uh, I was presenting my research at a conference in Lisbon. And uh, there's like, at these conferences, you you go and you talk about your research or you might stand beside your poster of your research where you're supposed to network with people. And I never, ever network. I never meet people. I never talk about my research. I never ask other people about their research. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I basically go to the conference and just stay in my own bubble. And oftentimes go home early um but at this conference i decided i'm on a bit of a roll now um and i ended up talking to um a man i can't remember his name a psychologist uh who was setting up virtual reality therapy um to help people get over phobias Ah, so tying in with one of our previous tasks yes exactly so i sat in in his chair, I put on the virtual reality headset and he showed me like simulations of fear of heights and like walking around buildings and stuff and like fear of public places. And we had a great conversation about how that could be used for therapeutic pro- purposes and stuff like that. So this was something I'd never previously do. But because I'd, I suppose I'd opened my mind up to doing that, I made a, a good contact there. And we were talking by email after it as well. So that's very so just uh, thought I'd that's, try that one in there. That's very interesting. Fair play. Um, I, nice. I can completely understand 
where you're coming from as well of not networking networking is the most sickening uh, concept in the world to me it really is unless I've had about seven points um, I wouldn't want to talk to anyone <laughs> in any yes. context no joke <laughs> after seven points it suddenly becomes it makes a lot of sense then yeah. but, uh, <laughs> okay um, yeah so some good stories there uh, especially the running away from Kirsty and Nick can I ask you <laughs> did you exchange any social media uh, with Kirsty and Nick or are they dead to you now uh, we did actually uh, Facebook oh shit um, alright uh, excellent stuff there from Japan thank you the floor is yours sir okay so one of mine is a bit shit I'm going to be honest with you um, do you want to get the shit one out of the way shit went out of the <laughs> way uh, happened today <laughs> oh <laughs> really really uh, leaving it till the last minute no I just fucking tried to fit one in today in work <laughs> <laughs> just just a sneaky one <laughs> prior to the recording so um so and this doesn't even really count so I'll let you be the judge of this um, it was supposed to be like start a conversation with people you've never spoken to before this doesn't meet those criteria but it does meet criteria of somebody I know ish kind of but would never really speak to ordinarily even though I work on the same floor in the same building as him. I'll allow it okay so this this is a man in uh, my company who previously interviewed me for a, a job a different role I had several years ago and that's the extent of how I know him really the only other extent of how I know him is I've said hello to him about 97 times since then but uh, I've never actually really had a conversation with him save for like absolute and utter pleasantries um, but nothing beyond that so uh, but on the floor that we both work um, in on we share a communal kitchen coffee lunchy area and uh, I'd often see him in there making a coffee and I'd be in there making a coffee but I'd usually just say hello Mr. X and he would say hello Professor T uh, of course we don't <laughs> use those monikers but uh, uh, and then that would be it so today I was like fuck it <laughs> and I was this like, is your big day yeah so I, I know I know for a fact that he's been in a different role in the company for the last uh, year or so so I was like well, how are you getting on in that uh, that role you, you took up there a while ago he's like and I think he was taken aback that I was going beyond saying hello. He's like, um, actually, I, I, I love it. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. He's like, how long have you been working in that? And he's like, um, well, I've actually been working in just over a year now. And just to fill you in, the the um, the role that he works in is internal audit. So it's like a department of the company that audits other parts of the company to make sure that they're compliant and they're doing things correctly. Um, so okay. it's like the internal affairs within the police type of gimmick uh, but not quite as serious as that but um or as sexy like, <laughs> or as sexy yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i was like so what type of things are you auditing at the moment and he was like well there's um, a project in the company now uh, to do with cyber security i was like all right and i was like uh, i'm aware of that because they're on the same floor of us as well I was like, what are they actually doing like what are the cyber security project actually doing because i i work beside them with no idea what they're actually doing and he's like well um companies like ours have um uh, a rating uh, it's granted to them by um, I'm not sure it's somebody that gives out a, a cyber security rating but um, the company I work for basically is not as high as it could be with its cyber security rating and uh, they went to a external company who audits this type of thing and, and they gave them a rating and they were very disappointed with how low they ranked with cyber security so they've brought in a lot of consultants and a lot of different people now to try and increase their cyber security um, rating to much higher and if they hadn't have uh, brought in all of these people it would have taken about two or three years of just constant operational work to get to the level that they want to be at but they've decided to 
expedite this and they've created a project and they've hired a lot of people to increase the cybersecurity rating of the company uh, far quicker and to get them to the place they want to be far sooner than uh, it would have taken had they not decided to bring on all of these people on a temporary basis. So because of the nature of that, uh, it required an audit because they have to determine whether or not that project is complying with all the things they should be complicit with. And um, I thought that was very interesting. So um, uh, that's what he's been doing. So this is the man I haven't really spoken to in properly in over a year and vaguely had a vague idea about what he was doing. But there you go. That is interesting. Good networking opportunity there. And it sounds like you you learned some like really important information. Do you know what? I learned a lot of stuff about a lot of people that I work right beside and have no clue about what they're doing. So uh, it's, it's kind of good to know that sometimes because if you happen to bump into them, you don't sound like an ignoramus by... Uh, by, by being completely ignorant about what they work at and it as and this is what like the the people who go up in companies do like they know what everybody else is doing and they make these connections and stuff and that's these types of things actually probably help you go far in a company i, I would assume yeah so there you go that was um that's that <laughs> um and then <laughs> so i have one more final story from uh from from Sweden as well. Um, so as I'm not going to mention who any of these people are, actually, because I just don't want them to be identified. But uh, So I mentioned that there was a lot of people um, in our extended group uh, in when, when we were in the campsite in Sweden. So we were talking to a load of people. Some of them were complete strangers. Some of them were friends of friends. Some of them were like um, extended family of people who were there. And naturally, this year, I got talking to a lot more people than I normally would have. And there was one lad there, and um, I noticed he was drinking a Red Bull. And he was kind of part of our extended group. And I went over and I said hello to him. And I was like, oh, you're on the Red Bulls. He's like, yeah, I'm not drinking. I was like, Jesus Christ, you're not drinking. And he was like, it turned out that he had driven there. And he had driven uh, he'd driven there with a girl. And I was like, ah. And I naturally assumed they were going out with one another. Um, and I just made that assumption. And I moved on in my own head with my own conclusions <laughs> that I'd drawn. That they were boyfriend and girlfriend. And he had driven her there. Uh, and I was like, okay, uh, right. Are you here to see any bands? He's like, ah, you know, I'm not really too into heavy metal. But uh, this person, this girl, had dragged him along. Uh, and it was like his actually his fourth time at the festival. And uh, year one had dragged him along each time. Um, and it, it's like, this is a generalization, but... In my experience, it's usually a male who drags a female along to watch all the heavy metal bands. And it's it's unusual that you would hear of a girl dragging her other half along who's male to watch all of the bands. So that, that was because the, the demographics of the fan base, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. just it's just the, the, exactly the demographics. So uh, that was another unusual thing. So he wasn't drinking. He wasn't really into heavy metal. He'd come along with this girl and he was uh, he was uh, sober and uh, I asked him then. So you're not drinking for the entire night. He's like, no, no, I'm going to drive home later on. And then kind of got chatting with him and it turned out he wasn't from Sweden, he was from Norway. And uh, he worked uh, alternating seven day shifts. So he was on his week off. So he worked seven days in a row uh, and then he worked seven days off and then he worked seven days on and seven days off and so on. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Um, And then uh, it turned out that he had been going out with the girl before, but they had broken up. And that was, oh. that was that was even more interesting. So he's coming he's coming with an ex essentially, and the plot thickens. Yeah, and the uh, the the conversation was just heading that way, and I was like, um, okay, so how did that work out? And he's like, well, during the time we were together, she has a couple of children from a previous relationship, and during the time we were together, I was essentially their father, and I raised them. And while I broke up with her, I uh, I 
you can't break up with kids. So he comes and visits the kids all the time because he has such a strong relationship with them and a strong bond oh. with them. And he was essentially for several years he was their dad. And wow. and now they don't really have a dad except for him. So so while the romantic relationship is finished and the girl is actually going out with somebody else, his uh, father relationship with the two kids is still outstanding. And I thought that was just that was brilliant actually. Um and I wonder how many people would continue to do that after their romantic relationship is broken like he has no uh, actual blood connection to those children but he still came and visited them regularly uh, and maintained a good relationship with their mother as well he sounds like a very like nice man to first of all like take on those kids for want of a better phrase and then like develop a bond with them and then when that's over doesn't walk away from that as exactly well, so. yeah he was a very very decent person i got that sense from him i like i like his backstory and i like the where the conversation went there so so um overall then um i suppose we got ourselves out of our comfort zones there uh, we opened ourselves up to um being more extroverted than we probably normally would be and i think we had a quite positive experience about it would yeah, you agree but i must say all of those conversations were definitely driven by the fact that we were doing this topic on the show and had we not been i wouldn't have gone as far as i did in any of those cases yes I agree with that. Like you, we needed, or I felt I needed the, the motivation or the the kick up the arse to do that, uh, and going forward, I think, I would be less hesitant to have these types of conversations, but I don't see myself, like changing into more like daily our friend who kind of does that naturally for a living. I don't think I, <laughs> yeah, for a living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like. I think it demonstrated that it's 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 not difficult once you're in it, but uh, getting over the first hurdle it can be quite difficult. Yeah, and I think like you'd always we're always going to have like that disposition of not wanting to do that, but it, maybe it's good that we've opened ourselves up to know that we can do that, and if you push yourself a bit, you can, and that it, it is good. Yeah, and I I have to say, if I was in a manga shop in Tokyo, I'd probably hide from all of those people as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Don't feel too bad Hide behind about the comic books. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just funny, funny, yeah. funny stuff. So great, another slobber knocker of an episode. Yeah. Um. So this brings us to next week's task. Yeah. So I I I made a mental note a few minutes ago while you were speaking. So your idea here for next week uh, is it in any way related to the person telling you about kangaroos jumping in front of the cars? App. <laughs> um. Not consciously, no. Okay. But maybe, like, looking back on it, like, I I found that kind of funny. And I like learning about animals sometimes. When you learn, like, random facts about animals or insects, I like when, like, they're they're often a lot more interesting than you, you first think. And you give them credit for so, it. Then you give them credit for it, yeah. I'm not, I'm not talking about dogs or cats. I'm talking about obscure animals. Yeah. Like kangaroos. Um. So my idea that I proposed for this for this week's topic is... For us to research animals that we've never really thought about before or don't know much about or anything about. And then to come back and discuss the new experience <laughs> of learning about animals. And it's a bit of a random one. Um, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, in the past, I have enjoyed watching wildlife documentaries. It's not something I do regularly, but... You know, if you get sucked into one, it's always interesting. And there are so many behaviors and um, different aspects of animals 
that you have absolutely no idea of unless you watch something about them or you read up on them so uh, yeah it's interesting but we, we kind of decided we were going to do an approach of so was it land uh, sea and an insect is that what we're going for a land based animal one in the sea and that could be a fish or a mammal in the sea or it could be one of those animals that's in on the land and in the sea okay. whatever you call them hippopotamus yes hippopotamus um and or it could be an insect and i think insect is an interesting one because sometimes we have a negative connotation in our minds naturally as as an average person would against insects but when you go into their backstory <laughs> there's actually there's a lot of uh, endearing uh, facts about insects yeah and they're fairly yeah. sound uh, you know and the thing is here we're not allowed you're not allowed to go for our dogs your cats your your ants your flies your elephants your giraffes okay it has to be an obscure animal that you haven't thought about much before um that you want that you find yeah okay. and you research about it mm-hmm. and i like when people talk about animals i like talking about animals but you never get the chance in the normal flow of conversation with your friends or whatever to just bring up conversation about an animal yeah yeah that's true and uh, let's just say it's probably more <clears throat> creatures because insects don't really count as animals do they uh, yeah creatures yeah creature okay. comforts Creatures. No. <laughs> Creatures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. So a land, a sea, an insect. Next week. Okay. And if you'd like to participate. <laughs> yes. I would encourage all of the listeners to go and research an animal who's been on the land, the sea, or... Uh, an insect. Oh, make insect-based <laughs> animal. An in- insect-based animal. That you haven't heard about before. Well, no, you can have you can have heard about them, right? But you don't know anything about them. They're not. Your, you don't know anything. Your about dogs, your cats, <laughs> your giraffes, your elephants. None of that shit. Uh, and share with us on our social media what you found out. Share facts about animals that you think is interesting. Maybe an interesting side story or weird thing about the animal. And we'll come back and talk about it next week. Yeah, and we're going to leave those social media links at the end of the episode. But for now, that's going to wrap things up. So thank you for joining us on another episode of Open Us, the podcast about openness to new experiences. I've been Professor T. He's been Dr. Toomey. And any closing sentiments from you, Doctor? Stay open. If you'd like to contact us on social media ahead of next week's task... Search for us on Twitter, it's at Open Us Podcast. On Facebook, it's also Open Us Podcast. On Instagram, it's Open Us Podcast. And via email, it's openuspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>